listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. My name is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded at ABA Tech Show in Chicago, Illinois at the historic Hilton Hotel on Michigan Avenue. Joining me today is three, our three guests. I have Nancy Duhan. I have Brian Sims. Good morning. And I have Ernie Spenson, a.k.a. Ernie the Attorney. Good to be here. All right. So actually, before we get started, we're going to talk about the paperless track today. But before we get into that, I wanted you guys in turn to introduce yourselves. Tell us about where you're from, what you do, what, what kind of work, and, and all of that. So we'll start again with Nancy. No problem. Uh, hi, I'm originally from Lafayette, Louisiana. I currently live in Atlanta, Georgia, so definitely the southern spectrum on that. Uh, member of the Louisiana and the Georgia Bar, and I've spent 21 years working with solos, mostly solos and small firms, on implementing technology in their office, um, time billing, practice management, and increasingly paperless office, Adobe Acrobat, working in a low paper workflow, which is my favorite phrase instead of paperless. Um, but um, kind of bringing that whole lawyer and geek and technology um, mesh together. And Brian. Uh, good morning. I'm- I am a solo attorney. I practice here in the suburbs of Chicago, uh, mostly commercial litigation practice. And I like to say that my practice is as paperless as it can be in this world. Unfortunately, uh, we still get people who send us paper that we have to deal with. And I'm Ernie Svensson. I uh, practiced law for 26 years in New Orleans, Louisiana. Like Brian, doing commercial litigation. And somewhere along the way, I figured out computers could be helpful and automating things could be awesome and being paperless could be amazing. And so I kind of figured those things out and now I help other lawyers connect those dots, basically. Okay, so now we know why all of you are on the paperless track. (laughs) So I want to start with Brian. We're going to switch it up a little bit today. So start with Brian. So tell us about your speaking event and give us a 50,000 foot general explanation. Sure. Uh, I spoke on the idea of paperless workflows which is from the larger spectrum, how is it that you handle the paper that comes into your office or the documents that you receive electronically? How do you treat them? How do you name them? Where do you store them? Those sorts of things. Are you responsible for that chart over there? Uh, Yes, that chart over there was created during Gemini's session. Okay. It's pretty awesome, I think. Yes, and that's all. Better than the session, maybe. A horrible visual reference for a podcast, but there's this uh, beautiful chart up there. It's a workflow chart that somebody sketched, and uh, I'm sure it's bouncing around somewhere uh, on the hashtag. Tag ABA Tech Show. So if anybody wants to check out the, uh, the paperless workflows that work sketch, now you know that Brian Sims is responsible for it. So what are some of the biggest challenges when you're trying to move into a paperless environment? You've got a lot of paper, you want to figure out how to store it, you want to obviously be able to search it, make it useful for the other people working on matters that are pre-existing as you bring on new associates. How do you kick all that off? Well, uh, the, the, main, the biggest challenge, I would say, is the people, because that's not how they're used to dealing with, the, with documents. Uh, they want it in paper. So the biggest hurdle is getting people to change their minds to understand that no, documents are really electronic anymore. We're no longer generating them on a typewriter. Uh, that we should be dealing with them in their native format, which is on a computer. Uh, and then the next hurdle is don't try to do this all at once. This is a gradual process. Uh, if you try to do it all at once, it's going to fail, and everybody's going to talk about how terrible the idea of a paperless office is. Instead, you've got to look at it, put together some plans on how you're going to do this on a gradual basis over a period of time. And sort of the focus of our uh, of our session was really, let's put together a written plan or document and how to deal with 
our workflows. Are you finance taking a pretty significant investment of capital to move from paper to paperless? I mean, you got to scan it, right? So I'm assuming a pretty decent, pretty hefty scanner for all the paper that a law firm does. And then OCR, you probably want a relatively advanced OCR package as part of your scanner. What I find is actually uh, there's not a significant capital investment for most firms. In terms of a, a large scanner, uh, most firms out there have one of those large network copiers. Uh, those are scanners, even if most people don't realize it. Uh, generally, if it's that function's not turned on, it's a simple matter of having your copier people come out and turn that on. So you've already got that large workhorse sitting there in your office, uh, even if you're not using it. So all you have to do is turn around and start using it. Then there are, uh, you have to have some software to deal with it. Generally in a paperless environment, you're looking at working with PDFs. There are a number of pieces of software that you can uh, use to do that. Adobe Acrobat's sort of the gold standard, but if you were at earnings session yesterday, you, know, you learned that Nuance has got a really good product out there at a much more affordable price. Uh, that really brings that cost down to, what was it, 150 bucks a person, I believe? Yep. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I don't consider that a large investment. So bottom line, relatively small investment for future efficiencies. Oh, and huge future efficiencies. Uh, in my opinion, there's not one single thing that you can do that will increase your efficiency more than going paperless. Great. Nancy, we turn it to you. I, I would agree uh, with Brian. I, I think the barriers to entry cost-wise are actually quite low in terms of initial outlays on equipment or software. Uh, I think the huge gap actually exists between what you can do, which has been around for years, and what firms actually know how to do or are able to do, which to me seems more of a training issue. Mm -hmm. You know, we, We've had the tools for a long time, but they've been sitting in the toolbox unused. And I think Ernie and, and I do a fair amount of work trying to bridge that gap, you know, to say it's okay, we'll hold your hand, we'll show you how to do this. Uh, I think a big perception of, of the software being expensive is because they don't understand what the software does. Uh, expensive to me is always a relative term. So, um, you know, people will say, oh, Acrobat's expensive. And I'm like, do you understand <laughs> all of the things it does for you? Because to me, it's a bargain uh, for this tool set that I get and the things that I can do with it. And so it's an educative process of this is how you do it. There's this huge, I think, hunger out there for people to show uh, affirm how to do this. I think that was reflected in the attendance at our sessions on that track. That room was full. We had what a was, lot of uh, interest. Your presentation was titled? Yeah, so my presentation was right after Brian's and it was called The Name Game, How to Manage and Organize Your Digital Documents. And it was based on this idea that you know, you're going to have this incremental increase in the number of files you're going to keep track of on your hard drive relative to what you may have done on a paper-based uh, system where you, you drafted or authored the document, but once you printed it, then it was all about the file cabinet and getting it filed in the paper file. Now you're going to have to digitally file that and find it later. So we spent about half the session talking about things you could do to improve your naming and where you put the file in the first place. Uh, and then we spent the second half talking about, okay, now you've, even assuming you've pristinely filed it all the time perfectly, which never happens because we're talking about human error, um, what are some ways that you could either search or use a document management system to quickly retrieve that information that you've put into that paper file? And so those things, I think, really help people understand how it is I'm actually going to do this on a daily basis. Did you get into metadata for Metadata? Yep. Not a whole lot. Um, we did mention that you know you, that is something you could search on, 
in terms of, uh, you know, who authored it, when was it authored, uh, some document management systems will track editing histories and, and that sort of metadata stuff, and sometimes that's the best way to locate uh, the document you're talking about, right? Even searching the content of the document, not so much even just the name of the file, right? We need to go deep uh, into the document, find the one that says this particular thing. Uh, so we just talk about that a little bit. So we've talked about workflows and processes to getting this, uh, this whole procedure started. We've talked about naming conventions and storing and retrieval. Now we turn to Ernie Svensson. Oh, okay. So tell us uh, the title of your speaking event and uh, the 50,000 foot general explanation. Sure. Uh, the title was You Choose, and it was a comparison between Nuance Power PDF software, which does what Acrobat does, and Adobe Acrobat. And, and Power PDF is a Nuance product that costs $150. Acrobat Professional costs uh, $420. So it's a huge savings. In fact, I was talking to Jeff Richardson. His firm has 500 users, and they saved about $125,000 by oh buying Power PDF. And Power PDF does everything in terms of manipulating your PDFs that Acrobat does. And that's, so Brian was talking about, you know, PDFs are what you're going to use and that's the standard. And so you need to be able to do with PDFs that which you do with paper. Insert pages, rotate pages, zoom in if you can't see the text. But those are the basic things and then Acrobat lets you do things like bait stamping and redaction and making it text searchable and bookmarking. So there's a lot of things if you know how to use these software, you know, whichever one you use, it doesn't matter. But you need to learn how to use one of them so that you can do that which you do with paper plus more because you can do more with PDFs than you can with paper. So I heard redaction, redaction's very important. You're sending documents, you want to remove the, the confidential information or something you don't want out there. What is a very important tip or a couple of tips when it comes to redaction with these PDF software packages? Okay, well the most important tip is that, and you, you, when you hear people say, oh that didn't work, there was the redaction didn't work, or the, you know, I converted it to a PDF and I thought I would take the metadata out and it didn't. Well, what people are doing that's wrong is that they're drawing a big black box over an area of text that they want to obscure. And they think that that's redaction, and it's not. You have to use the tool called wait for it, redaction, <laughs> and then if you use that tool properly, you will have a redacted PDF. And Acrobat, that's one area where Acrobat is a little bit better to me than Nuance just because uh, after you've redacted and obliterated the parts that you want to obliterate, you still want to save the original so that in case the judge tells you you need to produce the original copy, you have that. Um, Acrobat has learned that lesson that you need to force the user to name the file with the uh, tagline redacted. And so you have to save it as a new document, it's redacted, you have the old version, which is unredacted, but the most important thing is to, is to know that there is a thing called redaction, and you need to learn how to use it properly, and if you're in charge of other human beings, because human beings go off the reservation, make sure that they are doing redaction properly. Do not assume that they're doing it properly, because odds are some of them aren't. Gotcha, gotcha, very good advice. So it looks like we're running short on time for this episode today, but I wanted to give you all an opportunity to share some contact information so that if our listeners wanted to reach out, have some further questions, want to talk to you about what you presented and talked about today, they can, they can find you. So I'll start with Nancy. Sure. So let's see, the website would be www.d, is in David, uhon.biz, so not a dot .com, a dot .biz. Um, the email is pretty easy, it's just duyon at duyon.biz, so that's simple. And the phone number would be 404-325-9779. The best place to find me on the web, my website, uh, Sims Law Firm, that's S-I-M-S, lawfirm.com. 
Uh, you can reach me by email at bsims at simslawfirm.com. Um, and you can find me really easily. Just Google Ernie the attorney, and you'll probably find a lot of stuff about me. But my business site is Paperless Chase, which is a play on the you know the old Professor Kingsville movie, uh, The Paper Chase. So it's paperlesschase.com, and there's all kinds of good information there, and it's easy to find. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for having us. Thank you. This has been another edition of Special Reports. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.